Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey podcast. And today we had on NHL vet Mike Weaver. And this was an unbelievable interview. I'm your host, as usual, Danny Heath of Project Hockey. And with me is co-host Pete Cannon, Elevated Hockey. Uh, yeah, that was an awesome interview talking with Mike. Uh, the guy played over 600 games, 633 to be precise, in the NHL and you know, I thought there's a lot of a lot of really good takeaways, but I love that he, at the beginning of the episode, we, we touched on his successful collegiate career in the NCAA for Michigan State. And the time that he played, it wasn't necessarily a, a very prominent way to get to the NHL. Um, not, not quite like it is now, but he really touched on a lot of um, his thoughts on the importance of education. And I think that that's a really powerful message that uh, a lot of people, a lot of players out there need to listen to. What about you, Heater? What did you like? If I would have listened to this episode when I was a Bantam youth defenseman, I'd be playing in the NHL right now because <laughs> this guy, okay. he, he dove in, he dove into what defensemen should be doing, what skills they should be working on, where their toes should be, where their eyes should be. And, and honestly, it was one of the coolest things. And I know you and I kind of geeked out being defensemen and just more right. and more questions about it. And so... The talk on defense is something that every everybody should listen to, just just the idea if you're a hockey player. So it was awesome. I'm excited, Coach. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, majority of the focus was on, on defensemen. We're talking about angling and gap control and just conceptually, you know, you can tell a guy who played over 600 games of D in the NHL is going to think about the game a little higher level than the average, the average person. So it was awesome to tap into that. Um, but with that, I think let's just jump into it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You ready, Heater? Let's, I'm ready. Make sure ready. you hit that like and subscribe oh. button. Check us out. Make sure make sure you're showing us some love because uh, we're bringing a lot of love to everybody else. So let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. Hockey Wolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm-up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview. Hailing from Ontario, Canada, a standout defenseman from Michigan State University, which included two-time CCHA Best Defensive Defenseman, two-time CCHA All-Star, two-time NCAA Second Team All-American, and two-time CCHA Champion. Let's go. 15-year pro career, including an IHL Championship, AHL Championship, and 633 games played in the National Hockey League for the Thrashers, Kings, Canucks, Blues, Panthers, and Montreal Canadiens, including a season as assistant captain as the on the Florida Panthers. Let's go. After retiring from the NHL in 2015, he is now the CEO and co-founder of Coach Them, an online coaching tool to create, edit, and share drills and practice plans for both hockey and lacrosse. Owner of Defense First Hockey School, Mike Weaver, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How are you doing today? Oh, great. The only thing you're missing is my Dream Weaver uh, song intro. 
<laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get Vinny to work in. some magic on that one. We'll uh, we'll get the the glitz and glamour coming for for nice. the intro. There. No, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks for having me. Excited. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you too, uh, Mike. We really appreciate coming on. But like like Heater uh, touched on a couple of the, the the points throughout your career. Can you give us a little ba- uh, background on kind of where you came up playing and and kind of what brought you through your career? Well, I was uh, in, in Ontario, so I was with uh, a lot of the teams uh, that I'm going to mention don't exist anymore. So uh, uh, I started off with uh, Bramley Chinkuzi Blues, uh, which Chinkuzi doesn't exist. Bramley uh, Blues doesn't exist. Um, Richmond Hill Vaughn Kings, I went there. We won the uh, All-Ontarios. Ended up going... Um, Playing, uh, there was five of us that ended up playing underagers. Where we were called the Top Guns in, in Ontario. So it was five underagers playing junior hockey uh, with the Thornhill Islanders. Uh, ended up going to Bramley Blues after that, and then uh, I ended up getting a full scholarship to Michigan State. So uh, playing in uh, Ontario in one of the biggest populations for hockey was uh, pretty memorable. Um, a lot of my friends uh, didn't really make it in the uh, in the NHL, but I'll, for the most part, I think uh, the odds of making it were pretty slim. And uh, I think one of the best things when I was younger is my, my mother and father really put a lot of uh, focus on education. So it was kind of a trying to maintain balance in my uh, youth and um, knowing that if I had a game the next day, I was uh, taking a little nap uh, or going to bed early. So, yeah, absolutely. And um, let's dive into that a little bit because I mean, education is so important and the odds are obviously slim to make it to the NHL. And like, I always like, I baffle it or I'm excited or baffled, whatever the correct word is. It's crazy to me when people play in the NHL because that is such an incredible thing to do. And um, before we go any deeper, like that's unbelievable. And thanks again for coming on. We appreciate it. Um, and so you played on you played on multiple championship teams, including uh, when you were at Michigan State. And so how how did that prepare you and like tie tie in the idea of education for that and, and got you ready for your pro career? Well, it's when I was in, um, it was grade 12, I don't know, it was a grade 11, I ended up, um, a guy that lived with me, Mike York, he played in the NHL for a number of years, he was living with me, and he was getting recruited by Michigan State, and um, in order to have them talk to you, you have to have enough credits in order to graduate in your final year at um, high school, so I had a little bit of, I was able to go with him to uh, unofficial visits at Michigan State and a couple of different universities. And back then it wasn't really uh, a route to the NHL. And so I was kind of ahead of the curve when it came to that. Uh, I knew that me being a five, nine defensive defenseman that couldn't score, <laughs> didn't have any offensive skills at all. I basically ate pucks for a living. And it was very, it was very, like, it's something, the odds of making it, I always looked at the odds of making it to the NHL were pretty slim, but education, no matter if you play 
one game in the NHL or you play 633 games like myself, at some point you got to fall back on education. And I recognize that at an early age that um, Michigan State really was close enough that my parents were able to drive and uh, I got a pretty good education. My, it was basically my dad's scholarship. It wasn't my scholarship. He, he made it – he missed, was it four games in four years? And his closest road trip was four and a half hours. He drove every single game. He, um, his uh, uh, Alaska Fairbanks was in our uh, division. And it's funny, his, his underwear is hanging up in a bar in Alaska <laughs> next to all these bras. And it's signed by the head coach, uh, Ron Mason uh, of Michigan State. So it's something that at the end of the day, everybody focuses so much too much on, on hockey and, and there's got to be balance. And, and Ron Mason, uh, who's recently passed, um, he came into my uh, living room and he's just like, Mike, you got to think of your life right now as a triangle. And each side has, uh, has its own. Um, uh, so like one side is education. Um, the other side, education and schooling. The other side is uh, sports um, and staying fit. And then the bottom is your social life and, and family. And you got to keep balance. And he said, if you go and party too much, well, that triangle is going to get out of whack. You got to keep every side balanced and every side the same length. And it's something that I've really have always remembered all my uh, pro career and then post. And it's, it's, I always am trying to rebalance my life. I think, yeah, I love, I love that. I love that advice for the players and coaches listening out here because I, I, you know, I look back to when you were playing in the NCAA, I mean, you're exactly right. At that time, it really wasn't a route to the NHL. It wasn't like the desired route for kids to go, um, to, to make an NHL career, but where as now it kind of is, you know, like it is where, where kids are aspiring to play. Um, but that education piece of it just isn't touched on enough in hockey. But I think if you, you know, it, for me, it's, you know, the kids are going to be professionals in something, right. And some people are lucky enough to be professionals in hockey, but somebody's going to be a professional in something or in everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having that education to fall back on is such an, an important piece. And I think with the kids that I, I've talked to and worked with, like keeping those grades up, it just keeps opportunities open um, to be able to go and get a degree like that. So, you know, I, I appreciate you being able to share that. So let's, let's jump into the, uh, your time at Michigan state a little bit. And um, you know, you, you have, you're on a couple of championship teams there. And then after school, you're on a couple, you won an, a Turner cup and an, and an Allen cup. Can you touch on um, any of those teams specifically, or maybe all of them that, that what made those teams so special and successful and any uh, takeaways that you look back on those teams that you could relay to the listeners, the coaches, or the players of, as a, a component that made those teams so successful. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think the Michigan state, like going, going to university is, is so much better than the OHL, even though a lot of people think the OHL is the fastest route uh, going there and, and having your your school and your organization, but being able to being able to go and and at three o'clock every day was practice, and it was three to three to four was practice every single day, and and there there was time to work out. Like we had our our uh, workout every single day, and it allows you to go and get stronger, get smarter. 
Um, and it's, it's not as with OHL, you're always traveling, you're always missing school. So I'm going to say that if you're able to, if you have the opportunity between the two, I'm going to say Michigan State for four years, best years of my life. It was amazing. It was amazing time and, and being able to have that social life uh, compared to with the hockey. Because after you're done, after you graduate, you're four years older than you were, would have if you would have went to the OHL. You're going to have your education because at some point you're going to have to use your education, fall back on it. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting a telecommunication degree, got a minor in virtual reality, software development, and web design. So that's why I was able to design websites on the side. I was pretty technical. I, well, everybody on the plane was uh, losing money at the poker table. I was uh, designing websites and, and kind of staying on, on top of that. And I was able to develop, we'll get into Coach Them. I was able to develop that, a program for coaches later on in life. So it, it a lot of kids don't realize that the stuff, the decisions they make now really paved the way for later on. Um, but getting back to my team, I, I think the biggest thing about that was the coach understanding what types of players he had. And because you watch an NHL team, you're like, oh my God, they're the best team in the league and we want to do what they do. No, well, they might have too much of one thing or they might have, they might have different um, construction of your team, right? So you, you have to really look at the players that you have and, and see where, where they're able to get to as far as their, their skill development, um, see what their, their, their um, opportunities are for growth. And then, obviously, you got to take that team. And that's the one thing with the university. You're, you're, you only have four years with one, one player. And it's, it's really tough to because you're always having a turnover of kids. So uh, as coaches, that's a very difficult point. So you have a limited time to get these players to the, their best of their ability. Um, but I, I'm going to say a lot of it, we, we had a lot of fun um, and I think it's a lot of it has to do with chemistry. Um, but at Michigan State, we were just, uh, it was just awesome. Just everybody just we became a brotherhood. I know all teams, especially all sports guys, are pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. Everybody gets along. But I'm going to say those, those four teams are pretty special. Um, I, at the end of my uh, four years, I ended up um, – uh, signing as free agent Don Waddell. He was uh, ahead of the curve. He was the GM of Atlanta Thrashers and he was really into college players, really liked them. And he ended up signing me. And I remember the first, I went for the first training camp. Um, It was in Atlanta and uh, it would have been like maybe day three. He ended up pulling all the rookies and all the guys that are signed, and he brought us in a room, and he's just like, hey, guys, you guys are going to go down. You're going to go down the minors. You're going to get a place. You're going to um, learn how to be professionals. And it was pretty cool to be able to know that you're going to be back in Orlando. Was it in Orlando? I was like 10 minutes from Mickey Mouse. And um, we were there, and we were – it was like uh, – I don't know if any of the younger kids watching this will even know Melrose Place, but it was like it was like a pool in the middle, and the 
places right around the outside. And I remember it was the best thing ever because I got to learn, especially the IHL, which there was a lot of older players there. You got to learn a lot from them. And a lot of, a lot of rookies would go in and they'd be like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I already know everything. And that year, all the younger guys, we really took, because of what Don Waddell said, we, we looked at the older guys and, and looked how they ended up uh, handling themselves, how they prepared for the game. Um, and I'm finding that the AHL, they've made it so that there's only like four older overagers. And a lot of it's tough for the younger guys to learn from the younger, younger guys. So it's something that, yeah, it, it really did help me out. But yeah. with, every, with, with every single level, I'm going to say, though, I was never given anything. I, never, I was never given anything. I went into every single training camp, and they looked at me as a 5'9 defensive defenseman. And, and um, my, the, for the first 10 games at Orlando Solar Bears, I didn't, even, I didn't even play. I was in the stands. And I remember we ended up – we, when I played my first game, I never uh, got out of the lineup after that. And they ended up after we won it. I was uh, Jim Hughes was my uh, um, was my uh, assistant coach at the time, and he came in. He's just like Mike, we were going to send you down, but we wanted to see one game. And I ended up going in that game, and he's just like, we could not take you out of it. So it's it's all about when preparation meets opportunity. And at what points, who's going to step up and who isn't? For sure. And you must have, like, along the way, what you, what you got me thinking about was, like, you, you obviously listened and you learned from others around you. And there, there's got to be, like, one or two guys. I mean, when you play that many games in the NHL, there's got to be a few guys around you that did stuff that was extremely special and made them the player that they are. Are there a couple guys that maybe we could talk about just a little bit and like this, they did this special and that's why they played over a thousand games in the NHL, that type of thing. Well, you could tell the guys that just got by, um, some guys got by on their skills. Um, some guys were the first guys on the ice and the, and the last guys off, but I'm going to say one of the biggest things with me, um, it was in uh, Florida uh, when I was with the Florida Panthers. I remember going into a hotel. Uh, where we arrived there late, and I ended up going into a hotel. I'm not going to mention who it was, but he ended up pulling me in the room. Um, and he ended up telling me, a player ended up saying, Mike, stop watching video and i'm like why he's just like stop watching video you're making us look bad i'm like i don't care about anybody else i'm looking at video not to make me look good it's for me to figure out what went on because i would never watch when i was watching a video i would never watch where the puck was i always watched away from the puck i would always watch what everybody's doing because if i knew what everybody else's options were, I was able to tell the future. And I was able to dictate exactly and figure out where that puck was going to end up. And I was able to prepare myself and my positioning to go and get the upper hand on whoever I was playing against. And I would always watch video. Every single time at the, um, uh, I would 
uh, get on a plane, I had, uh, well, later on in the career, I had, had an iPad right in my hand. And I would have all my ship tapes and I'd watch every single game. So that was one thing. I can't really point out exactly who else um, made some different um, things that helped them out. I'm going to say that for me. That's the reason why I was able to stay ahead of the curve. I was able to really figure out what was happening before it happened. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think that's interesting. We've talked to a lot of guys in the last couple of weeks, and they've they've leaned on video, and I think it's such an important piece of the game today at the higher levels, and it's starting to trickle down into the youth. Um, so it's interesting hearing you know different perspectives with the NHL level when you were playing on on how much video you'd be watching, but. So that brings me to my next question about kind of preparation. Um, you, you just said you, you, you watched a lot of your shifts and you, you try to anticipate the different options that players were having. So um, with that in mind, how did you focus in your practicing and training, um, you know, as a, as a shutdown defenseman? Um, okay. So I did things a little bit different. A lot of guys would be heavy into the, weights and, and getting I was I was really into body weight I was really into body weight and um, just doing different different types of exercises like being able to hold off guys uh, being able to be in position especially me being a shorter guy I had to I had to get my um, balance uh, uh, amazing and I had to get my lower body strength even more so I would do different exercises in, in the, the gym that really um, ended up um, bringing me to the next level. So I would go and figure out on the ice what was going on, and I would go and take, take that into the gym and figure out something that I was able to uh, mimic. Uh, as far as um, I used to have um, – um, I used to put um, – uh, a rope uh, tied to tied to a weight, and as the rope was pulling me back, I was trying to go and get in position of of a guy, and I had a guy shoving me from behind. So I was on a slippery floor that was actually pushing me this way, but I kept on trying to go and in position myself, so I was able to go and box out a guy in front of the net. So there's like little things that you got to look at. I, I was really good, and that's with, even with my hockey school defense first. I was really good about looking at a situation, and I was able to bring that and, and figure out how to come up with a solution because that's what we're doing. It, it's not like anybody's doing anything major out there. It's just the same things over and over and over again. But it's, as, as, a, as a defensive player, you got to go and figure out – how to go and come up with a solution of something that's happening, right? And you got to come up with different unique ways of doing it, whether you see somebody else doing it and say, oh, yeah, I like that, but I would change a couple little things. Yeah, you just got to go and be a solution, um, come up with solutions for situations that happen in the game. And, uh, you know, like I was saying, like with me, I would even take off a month a uh, month and a half in the summertime of nothing. I would maybe jog, jogging here and there, but I found that I needed more rest than I needed to get stronger. So it's all about understanding what type of player you are be, uh, at an early age. Sure, you want to improve in such different areas, 
but you want to figure at some point, like when I made it to the NHL, I figured out that, hey, I couldn't score goals. So I was going to focus and get my strengths um, in the things that I did well and improve, obviously, the minor things that I didn't do, to, do so well. But I really mainly focused on what, what was my strengths. I love that. Uh, you know, not only focusing on the strengths, but the, the whole part about critical thinking and, and walking through and say, here's the problem I'm trying to solve, working back to find that solution and then applying that in, you know, whether it's the standard drills or, or like you just, you mentioned with the rope pulls and making, making up a new, a new solution that, that, that helps that problem. I think that's a huge takeaway for the players. Um, as a defenseman, uh, and, you, and you mentioned your, your defense versus hockey school, uh, you know, the game, the, the role of the defenseman's changed over the last decade or so. And, and a lot of the, the, the successful defensemen today are becoming more dynamic and jumping into the play. And, you know, USA Hockey talks a lot about positionless hockey. It's kind of a buzzword right now. And um, so I'd love to get your opinion on, on kind of where the game, the, the role of a, of a defenseman, how it's changed over the last decade or so. And then maybe your thoughts on where you see it potentially progressing in the future. That's a lot of things that I teach at my hockey school defense first. I teach, I teach the thinking part of the game. And a lot of people think you can't really teach the thinking part of the game. It's, it's either you have it or you don't, but I personally believe that you can teach it. And it's, and it's a different, it's a different um, mindset. You can't, you can't um, being safe as from a defensive standpoint is, is, is not good. You're, you're at a big disadvantage. And it used to be the whole thing of looking at the guys, looking at the guy's chest, stay square to him. Right. But it's, and then everybody's just like, Oh, you got to force them to the outside. So as coaches, I've heard everybody scream and yell at these kids, angle, 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 angle. But how do you angle? Right. What is, what is the, the whole thing uh, about angling? And really what it is, is instead of reading, reacting, because as defensive players, you're reading, reacting to what that player's doing. You're at, a, you're, you're at a disadvantage. If he goes this way, well, you race this way. If he goes this way, you race this way. And it's, you start almost feeling, feeling like you're, you're, chase, you're, you're a dog chasing a ball, right? Whatever way this ball's going, you're chasing it. And it's all about with me with defense first, we're talk, talking about taking control in the game. Instead of reading, reacting, it's all about initiating and dictating. By your, your stick placement and by your body position, you are putting that guy in an area where you're going to take it away. And it's all about giving him the, the more, uh, the lane. So you got to think of yourself. If you're in a car, I would, when I'm talking to kids, I'm like, if your parents, if you're in a car with your parents and they're in the fast lane, there's three lanes. There's fast lane and there's slow lanes, right? If, if, you're, if, if the guy coming down the ice is in the fast lane, well, you don't want to go. If you get in his lane, what is he going to do? Well, he's going to change lanes. He's going to go into the, the middle lane. So it's something that you, if that guy is going fast down, down, down the, um, the side, well, let him go fast down the side, but it's all about your positioning because you want to angle him into the area. It's all about allowing the guy to go to the area where you want him to go and take it away in the end. It's almost like that magician, the, uh, the magician, right? Like, or if you're doing a magic trick, is it happening here? No, it's actually happening here, but everybody else is paying attention to this. That's what we got to do as defensive players. 
we got to be like, okay, we have a plan. All right. You're going here, but the, that, what, what do you think that player is doing? That player, player as an opposition player is trying to go opposite of you, right? If you want him to go here, no, he wants to go there. So it's all about if you're able to get your stick in the lane and you're able to get your body in the lane and you're able to, to force them to the area where you want to go. A lot of kids get all like they, they get so nervous. They all, they're all being in between the puck and the net. And it's, it's something that you got to give a little bit more space to then take it away in the end. It's, it's, there, there's an art to it. And that's what we teach at uh, my hockey school, but it's, um, it's, it's a mindset. And, and a lot of guys are a little just too safe, especially this hockey day and age. It's all about getting in the offensive uh, zone, right? And with me, I always look at you could be offensive in the defensive zone if you're able to make that quick pass out of the zone. I, I, I look at that as an offensive-minded uh, uh, play. I could listen. I grew up playing defense, so I could listen to this all day. Um, <laughs> What what would you say? What would you say? Uh, like you talked about angling being a huge skill and how you learn it. Um, you know, and kids are a lot of kids, and that's that's. I don't want to call it an issue, but sometimes when you run into um, hockey coaches at the youth level, uh, where you know it might just be like, hey, we just need someone to coach because nobody can coach. Okay, hey, dad, would you come and do this? I never played hockey before. It doesn't matter. We need you. Um, and then it turns into like you got kids just skating up and down the ice, staring at chess with their hand up in the air, like they're holding a stop sign. And so um, I'm wondering if there's something out there that you could be like, hey, you know what, youth coaches, why don't you focus on these three skills? And angling is clearly one of them. Um, are there any other ones that I know it's tough being on a podcast and stuff like that, but what are the three main things that defensemen should be? focused on if they want to take their game to the next level well for sure um i i I always say that the space between you and the player opposition player a lot of people call it um your your gap i call it somebody's ice so it's either yours or his ice or his or her ice so Mm -hmm. that's the more ice you're able to take away from the player, the, le- the less time they have. Like, I used to go, go against Ovechkin. Like, the guy's the powerhouse. But he got frustrated that the coach ended up putting him on the opposite wing uh, when I was playing against him. And it's nothing that I was doing crazy. It's just that I was taking away the, the, the some, somebody's ice. And it's, if you're able to be in, in, in that player's face – that player has no opportunity to do anything. The only reason a player gets the, the middle is because you gave him the middle. That's the only reason. If, if yeah. you give him the middle, it's because you, you're, some, you're somebody's ice, you're, you're gap, you're too far back. That's the only reason the guy gets the middle is because you gave him the middle. Um, another thing is in front of the net, I always have the guys in, in my uh, hockey school, they'll, they'll be – I'll get the goalie to turn facing behind the net. And I'm like, is that, does that look normal? They're like, oh, no, it's silly. Why is he he's looking behind the net? I'm like, well, okay. I'm like, why is it silly? They're like, well, if it passes out in front, they're going to be able to score. I'm like, well, as a D-man, why would you be looking behind the net? 
So it's, it's simple things that I kind of, I take a lot of things from different positions and I, I go and, and, and I basically prove my point that it, it works for them. So why does it work for a defensive player? So I never want our defensive players to go and go and face, face the corner because the most important ice is behind. So if you're able to be in a position that as a goalie, what happens? You go out and what do you do? You come back to the strong side post, right? But your, your skate is always facing up ice. So I always have our D in front of the net going and doing that. They come back. If they go back, if it goes behind the net, they don't go and turn back behind the net because as a goalie, they don't do that. So it's silly for that to happen. So as a guy goes on the other side, well, you go and you, you, you maintain your, your eye, eyes looking up ice. So if a guy goes behind the net, I'm able to go right away. I'm able to go look up and then go stick in the lane. So, yeah, there, there's, you, you got to look at all the different positions. Um, like in the neutral zone, for, for the angling part, what, what do what – do, Fords do that are attacking the opposition defenseman on the far blue line. Do they go straight at them? No. They go and they take an angle in more in the middle and then they force them to the boards. So I actually have had our, our D man do that and I would stop at a certain point and then I would make him turn backwards. I'm like, well, that's the perfect angle what you should have. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's very interesting, all this stuff. If, if you really go and sit down and think about that opposition player is just trying to go the opposite of you. If you think about that, then you look at your body because a lot of players don't really look at their body. They don't look where their stick is. They don't look where their feet are. They don't, look, they don't pay attention because they're just trying to get that puck. And they're like racing. you got the coach yelling at them. So it's something that the coach has got to start looking at and not just yelling at him and telling him to get that puck, come up with a plan in order to get it. I love that. I think that's some, some really huge exam examples. And, and like Heater said, I grew up playing D2 and obviously not anywhere near the level that, that you did, but uh, that sticks uh, skates up ice. It seems like anywhere I go across the country, it seems like a lost thing with, with younger kids or they're just learning that. And that's like, for me, like when I first learned that, I was like, it's like a game changer. And I, I coach a, at the college level now, and it's something I'm still preaching to my kids. It's like, you know, you don't worry about the puck when it's behind the net. I think that's such a good takeaway. Let me, um, I'd love to keep this kind of talk on, on defensive thoughts that you have going. What about on penalty kill? Can you tell me kind of your thoughts on a defensive uh, defenseman role or tips or tricks that you have for defensemen that are on a, on a PK unit? Um, well, I was just I was just on a podcast well um, with uh, Brad Shaw. He was he was going and talking to the NHL Coaches Association uh, about uh, penalty kill, and um, it was awesome because he was I was on his team. Brad Shaw, the assistant coach with um, St. Louis, I was on his team, and we we're number one in the NHL. And I was like averaging like six minutes a game in penalty kill. So the one thing, don't be afraid to block a block a shot. Like I used to love it. I, I miss I, I miss the bruises. I miss feeling sore the next morning. I I would always be 
when I was when I woke up the next morning after a game, if I didn't feel sore, I'm like I didn't play hard enough. Um, look at different ways of blocking a shot. There's you could put your your knee down. There, there's different ways of doing it, but there there there's the right way and the wrong way. So obviously it's tough for me to really go through the whole entire thing about that, but being not afraid for that uh, is a big thing. And what I talked about earlier, no, obviously on a penalty kill, you're one man short. So knowing where every single person is and not just looking, like if you look once, well, that's like taking a picture. Well, a picture only lasts for that moment. And the game of hockey moves so fast. You've got to take multiple pictures all the time and having your head on a swivel. And to be honest, a lot of times you don't even have to look like this because a lot of players are waiting for you to look like this. As you're looking back, that player is passing it. So like little things like even moving your eyes, being in position, knowing where the guy is because on a five on four, every guy has two guys to cover. So you got to figure out what your two guys are, right? Everybody has two guys to cover. And it's, it's something that obviously every coach has their own way of doing things, but being responsible for your two guys, I think is, uh, and having that stick in the lane and, and understanding that like even little points I teach in my hockey school. So as with a hockey stick, if you go and reach with every time you reach further, what happens? Your, your stick starts coming up. Right, so as a puck is able to go and fit underneath there, so I figured out. Well, I'm missing about two inches just on that. So if you're able to turn your your stick down like this, you're able to grab it every single time. A lot of people don't realize that when you get to the higher levels, guys will pass it and know how long you're able to reach. And it's slipping and under the blade of your stick. You're talking about turning the blade over down on the ice so that someone can't slip the puck under the blade. Yeah, exactly. And being able to go and u- utilize your stick because I remember um, I was with, um, I signed with Pittsburgh Penguins uh, on a two-way and I ended up getting put on waivers uh, before that, um, before I officially was told to move into a place. Um, but I remember I was playing with um, uh, Monkey in the Middle with uh, Sid, uh, Sid and um, Colby Armstrong. And he would always, Sid would always tell me that he would always want to put it through my triangle, which is that stick down to the ice, back to the skate and up. And that little area, like it's phenomenal what he's able to do, but that little air area, he's able to go and throw it. And he almost consistently did it for the first 15 shots. And uh, it was, well, at that point, I, got, I had to come up with a solution. So I was able to go and use my skates and my stick at the same time in closing off that gap. But it's like little things like that. I learned it from him, that part, and I learned a million other things from other players, but it's all about coming up with those solutions for issues that you're having. So, Yeah, I love the idea of just being solution-based, right? And when you get to play with some of the best players in the world, like you either figure it out or or you're not going to play very long. And you were able to figure that out and you, you probably, I mean, I'm assuming you had multiple D partners back there on the blue line 
Was there one D partner that stood out to you that you're just like, I love playing with this guy because he made the game like this or he did this for me? Um, anything like that? I, to be honest, I was one of those guys that I could be plugged into any, with, any, with anybody there. Um, I was very simple. I, I really focused on that first pass out of the zone. I was really consistent in doing that. I, I was a goalie's best friend back there, so I was not afraid to go and block shots. Um, I'm going to say uh, Andy Sutton. The six foot seven guy, and I'm five nine. So <laughs> opposites uh, there. Good combo. Yeah, uh, uh, it, it was it was great. We 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 really worked well together. Um, it was very consistent back there too. So I think it was pretty simple. Um, uh, guys like Koliakovo uh, in St. Louis, we worked well together because I knew that he knew that if he went up for a rush, I was always back there for him. Um, so, uh, the, for the, for the most part, I, I, I was able to play with everybody and, um, yeah. 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 And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of guys that you're playing with, especially when you play at that level, everyone's there for a certain reason. So I appreciate that. Um, let's talk a little bit about your coach them and the app that you have. And, um, no, I, I wasn't told to say this, but I use the app uh, and I love it. Like I put all my drills on there so my wife doesn't accidentally throw away my paper napkins anymore. And I say, what'd you do with my last practice plan? You know, and so um, it, it's nice because it's all there for you. Um, but do you want to touch on that a little bit? Maybe like why you started that and who's using it? Yeah, so I ended up, because I went to school, I told you about my background in education. So when I started my hockey school, I'm like, it's very tedious to go and redraw my drills, having to draw it on a piece of paper and, and having to photocopy them, put the backing them up on PDF so I, I didn't uh, lose them or if they got wet, um, creating if I wanted to move a drill to another place, having to cut and paste it. And oh, it was crazy. So yeah. when I ended up, uh, signing with the Florida Panthers, uh, Rob Talos, the goalie coach there, he's just like, there's got to be a better way. So we, I basically set out to go and develop a, a platform that's completely web-based, no plugins or anything, something that coaches are easily, almost like paper, be able to draw it up quick. So with now on the tablet, you're able to use your digital pencil. It makes it very easy to create your drills and and uh, share practice plans. We got uh, 8,000 coaches on there. We got, uh, I think the last was about six or seven NHL teams, um, about 40 associations, 45 associations plus. Uh, we got a very big fall. We partner with the NHL Coaches Association. And we have guys like you, Danny, all the time going and saying, if it wasn't for, for us, um it would be it would be tough um um but it's it's something that i'm so excited that with with coach them um it's it's helping our coaches create uh, easier easier it's easier for them to create better practices and once they create their drill once it's there for life they're able to instantly click on the drills and being able to share it with their coaching staff so in order for uh, a coach 
to obviously, I, I think the biggest thing is having a plan for the whole entire season. And out of that plan, you got to break it down the months. And then from there, you got to break it down to individual practice, what you want to focus on during that month. And uh, I love, I love your videos too. Uh, it's been, uh, they're awesome being able to, um, and not now with coach M we're able to input the videos right into the practice plans too. But yeah. it's something that um, I wanted to really give back to the coaching community from a player standpoint with my hockey school, being able to teach the players, but also for the co uh, coaches standpoint, being able to allow, allow our coaches to have an easier job of doing this. Yeah, I agree. Go ahead. Um, and just, just, sorry, just the, like, one thing I would add is just the, like, communication is so much smoother now. It's no longer like, hey, look, remember that drill we did two weeks ago um, to help defensemen with their toes in, in the D zone? And then, you know, text going back and forth. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. What was it again? And trying to draw it. It's now just like, hey, share. This is the drill we're doing that we did two weeks ago. I want to I want to do this again because it had an impact on our players. And so that was a huge part of it for sure. Mike, you touched on another part of the the sharing, um, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you guys provide a lot of drills in that app too, and and allow coaches to be able to share them not just with like their team or their individuals, but it almost becomes like a, a bank that other coaches can draw from beyond just their own, right? Yeah, it, it's great. We have about 250 drills, and we're adding drills all the time. But uh, it basically, instead of going and printing out your practice plans, you could go and and digitally share them so you're able to share your practice plan and the coaches receive it the night before so instead of them figuring out like danny was saying what was that drill from two weeks ago they're able to to receive a plan right there that they're able to say instead of them showing up to the rink and being like oh what's this what's this or this they're they're asking the details um, how do you want that that stick is it, uh, when when the guy's doing the angle in uh, drill number two um, like, so it, it gets, it gets the thinking happening before they get to the rink. And that's what parents want it, it, for, they have an hour and a half and especially in Toronto, how expensive ice is that hour and a half should be, um, there should be no, um, downtime for the coaches. The coaches should come back to the board, explain it quick. And as the coach is explaining, the assistant coaches know the drills. They're, they're setting the, the, the plan up. So we're able to get started right after the coach is done explaining it. I don't think the coach on the drawing board will ever go away. Um, right. maybe, I don't know. I, I just think that that is the time for those players and that coach to create the creative relationship and, and to create understanding and, and, and really go in and, and, and demonstrating the drill. Um, but, but I think the coaches, the assistant coaches being able to set everything up allows everything to move faster and for, well, it's $60 a year for a coach or a hundred dollars, um, for, uh, per team for an association for the amount of money of, I think my budget was like 20 or $30,000 on ice for, for $60 right. dollars a, a year. That's pretty minimal. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, I would agree. And I, for me, like just, I, I'm a hockey nerd. So I literally bring a TV out and put it in the penalty box so I can, I can throw the drill up and have video and I take videos of guys and we can share all that and show it like instantly. And so it's, oh, it's honestly I, made. I want to see this. So you're going to have to take yeah. a video doing it. 
Yeah, I will. Just kind of flipping back and forth from, I mean, it's, it's a game changer. So I'll definitely have to send you that way, but where else can people follow you? I know you got your, your defense first hockey school going on and coach them and want to talk about just where people can follow you and check everything out. Yeah, well, defense first. So if you D-E-F-E-N-C-E-F-I-R-S-T.com, that's the Canadian spelling of defense. You can get it through the American spelling too. It's, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> but um, uh, everything's up there right now. Obviously, we don't know with what's going on with this uh, COVID thing. Uh, hopefully, uh, right. everybody gets back into uh, um, going again. I personally think, a little uh, a side note on that, I personally think that it's a point in time that we are meant as society to take a pause and to re- reflect on uh, everything around you. Uh, whether you need a job change, whether you need to go and connect with your family members. And it's something that a lot of p- people don't take the time to really look back and look around. Um, I had, a, I had a, a buddy of mine that used to, with his family all the time, he'd be like, he'd tell his kids, hey, look around. Because everybody just expects everything to happen and everything's moving so quick. And and it's a kind of a nice pause in time, even though obviously people are dying and it's not something that's uh, uh, good. But you, with everything that goes on, you got to look at the positive things in it. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so um, for my, my uh, coach them, so coach them, coach, T-H-E-M.com. Uh, so Instagram at coach them, uh, Danny, you're on there a lot with, uh, posts too. And it's yeah. been, uh, been great. Um, uh, yeah. and then, yeah. And then my, Absolutely. my Instagram, uh, Mike Weaver underscore 43, both on Twitter and Instagram. For sure. And it, it's honestly full of stuff. And I know, uh, our awesome producer, Vinny, he'll put all that stuff in the show notes for you to check out. Plus it'll be all over our, our Instagrams, um, at the time this episode comes out. So make sure you're checking that stuff out. I use it daily. Uh, once we get back to the hockey rinks, it'll be used all the time. So we appreciate you coming on before, before we let you go though, we got to get a let's go. Let's go. There we go. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Mike, that was awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, hopefully we can talk to you again sometime and dive even deeper on, the, on your, D, your thoughts on D. And, uh, but that's a great conversation. I think you left a lot of good, good points for coaches and, and players and parents to consider. And, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that the people really take out of as much as I think Heater and I did. So I appreciate you coming on, and we uh, look forward to having you again sometime. Guys, thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, been a pleasure. Anytime you want me back to discuss defense, I'm your man. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Mike Weaver. We appreciate you having you on. Um, Honestly, being a defenseman, one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. And thankfully I got to be a part of it. And so let's jump into our three stars and get some takeaways for the night. Coach, what do you got? Yeah, I loved it. He, I could listen to him talk about D all, all day long. It, it, so much, so much information in that, in that, uh, in that talk. So my third star tonight, um, going to go away from the actual D, D talk for a second. I, I just, I, I think it's such an important thing, the, the, his touching on the importance of education. Um, you know, this coming from a guy who had a long uh, NHL career, like a dream career for most people. And he's talking about how he fell back on his degree and started this company, coached them and is finding success because of his, his education. 
and the reality that uh, all players out there are going to be professional in something. And some of them are fortunate enough to be professional in hockey. And for everyone else, you know, having an education to fall back on, it just opens up doors. It opens up opportunities. And I think that that's uh, a really important takeaway for a lot of players out here is to don't just forget about your education and your grades because you love hockey. They go hand in hand and they can complement each other. Uh, my second star tonight, um, you know, I loved when he talked about, it kind of ties in with education is, is, is the, the idea of solution-based hockey. And, you know, Heater and I were just joking. Maybe that's the new buzzword out there, solution-based hockey, where you're, you're, you're identifying. Yeah, that's our thing. Don't take it. Yeah, we just copyrighted it. It's trademarked now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but solution-based hockey, where you're identifying a problem you're, and you're working backwards to figure out how to find a solution to that problem and then creating drills to go through and, 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 and figure out how to, how to figure out the problem. And the idea of solution-based hockey applied to a practice or a drill or a setting, it's really, it's that player, or that coach using their mind instead of being robots and going through this set plays, it's using their minds and thinking critically and applying that, that thought process through their training, their practice, and then their gameplay and finding success uh, that way. So I love that. I think that that's, you know, that ultimately that's coaching. That's, that's true development. That's, that's, that's it right there. So I love, love the idea of solution-based hockey here. You got the honors first star of the night. First star of the night. Um, before we dig into that, could you imagine if as a hockey team and you're going through your practice and before every drill, the coach said, uh, instead of saying like skate here, skate there, skate there, do that X, Y, and Z. It's more like, Hey, here's the drill. Here's the problem that we're trying to solve here's five ways that I can teach you how to solve it. And then let's see what else we can come up with like that. That to me is, is unbelievable development. And imagine if that was every practice of, of every day of the entire season where you're just, you're solving problems and then you're going to get to, you're going to get to the games and you're going to be like, Oh, I've seen this problem before. This is how I'm going to solve it. Oh, I've seen that one before. This is how I'm going to solve it. And so I love that idea and maybe uh, it's a good idea for a quick shift where we just, we dive into a few drills that we can change into solution-based hockey. Yeah, um, so, so recognize patterns, identify the, the, the problems and then create solutions to those problems, you know, with those patterns. Sure. I love it. Yeah, first star of the night is, is when he talked about gap control and how he calls it somebody's ice and he dove into Alexander Ovechkin and how, you know, it's either his ice or my ice and finding ways to um, take away that ice and making it more of yours versus the other person's. And, and then he even dove into magic tricks. And I think, I think it was when I was 14, I wanted to be a magician. So that kind of really stood out to me. And so uh, I love that idea uh, of just being a magician out there and getting the forward to focus on something else. And then boom, all of a sudden it's your ice. And so huge take for me. Uh, it was unbelievable. Thanks again for coming out. Go check this guy out on coach them. Uh, they're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those different things. And then his defense first hockey school, check that out. If you're in his area, uh, and then also just his own Twitter account, Mike Weaver underscore 43, you're, you're looking at someone who played over 600 games in the NHL. So it's something you're going to want to follow and check out. Uh, it was, un it was unbelievable. So can't say that enough. What else we got, Coach? Yeah, huge, huge thank you and appreciation to Mike Weaver for coming on. It was a great conversation, and I hope we have the opportunity to talk with him again here uh, sometime soon. Uh, but, you know, as always, if you guys like what you've heard, share it with your teammates and your, your uh, coaches and your friends. Give us a like and a subscribe. Uh, help us grow. Uh, we truly appreciate that. 
And uh, with that, I think we, we, we sign off and we say uh, we wrap up this episode. What do you say? Let's go. And that's another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you so much to Mike. One last thank you to him for coming on the show. That was a good episode for all hockey players, but you defensemen know you got a little special episode out of this one. So thanks again, Mike Weaver. We really appreciate it. If you want to find him, his website, his social media, scroll down. You can find out more about him in the description below. We want to make sure we thank our sponsors. First of all, HockeyWolf.com and LacrosseWolf.com for all things hockey and lacrosse. We hope that you guys are using them for all of your hockey and lacrosse needs. Finally, Gel Stick Sports. Gel sticks are the most innovative and best weighted training aids on the market for hockey, lacrosse, and golf. They've got it all. And if you haven't heard about gel sticks, you need to go check them out at gelsticks.com. That's G-E-L-S-T-X.com. Get yourself a weighted training aid and maximize your next training session with a gel sticks. Right now, we've teamed up with them to offer you, our wonderful, wonderful listeners, 20% off your entire order. Go visit their website and fill up your basket with all of the training aids for any sport that your heart desires. Then use promo code LETSGO at checkout. That's L-E-T-S-G-O at checkout. Save yourself 20%. Get a training product to help you maximize all of your time off the ice, on the driving range, whenever you're shooting in your backyard. Hockey, lacrosse, golf, they've got it all. So go to gelsticks.com today and let them know that we sent you by using the promo code Let's Go. So thank you so much to Gelsticks and thank you, the listener. You know we love you and we couldn't do this without you. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>